Hello, I'm Stephanie Belcher. And I'm Del Belcher, and welcome to Learn to Like Each Other. that episode of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood where they showed you how crayons were made. Oh, the second you said Mr. Rogers, I went straight to the crayon one. Like they're all organized and they're all coming down that that little hopper fed down all the colors, all the circles just perfectly lined up there. Oh, I remember the vat of color having to be much darker than the actual crayon and being mesmerized by that. Mm. But today I was playing with crayons with Carly. Which means keeping her from drawing on other things. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> I should have put her in the high chair so she was confined or something. Uh, it was worth a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are her creative talents? She's like 16 months old. How good would they be? <laughs> I don't know. We might I feel have like a... realistic expectations or everything. You could have a Picasso or a Mozart on your I mean, hands. it looked like a Picasso, but. Oh, man. You know, that's not true. Take he a had... man when he's down. He had such a wide range. He did have a wide range. Have you seen that show? It's on Hulu now. And I was on like a history network where they have very famous people playing people of history so the very first episode which i saw which was widely promoted it was picasso played by antonio banderas yeah we saw that cover thing yeah it was interesting interesting. i and you know and then einstein and all these famous actors are playing these famous historical figures for a history channel show that's a big get idea good, good get what? Why not? Why not get people interested in historical figures? What not normally uh, videographed historical person would you like to see played by a famous person? That is such a... I would need to think about that for a minute. You go first. I would first. want Chris Pratt to play Abraham Lincoln because that would be, oh, that ho- would be, that'd be fun. Hilarious. I think he'd, make, he'd bring uh, levity to old Abe that we don't usually see. Uh, he was very serious. And I think it might be fun to see him flying around space with his buddies. I don't know if I have a brilliant idea right now because it's brilliant or because it's already happened and I don't know. <laughs> but I'd like to see Amelia Earhart played by Kate Bancroft. Oh, Kate Bancroft. Yeah. Very Blanchett? Funny. Is that her name? Ban- you, do you know who I'm Kate talking Blanchett? about? Um, I'm going to Google it. All right. Google it. Kate. Kate. She's very good at acting. Kate, good at acting. Kate isn't it? Did I, what dun, did I say? Dun, Blanchett? Dun, 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 dun. Blanchett. Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Blanchett. Mm, play Amelia here to heart. Yeah. And this time, she wins. She defeats the ocean's elements. But now I need to look up Amelia Earhart movie just to make sure. Has anyone ever done an Amelia Earhart What's movie? What's the name of the Kristen Stewart in uh, The Twilight Lady? Kristen. Oh, there is an Amelia Earhart movie. Watch. Watch. Who? Oh, it's Hillary Swank is in it. Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah. Hillary Swank. Yes, I take it back. Hillary Swank as the you can do it lady. The we can do it lady. No, I don't want Hillary Swank <laughs> playing. <laughs> Who's the the Rosie the Riveter? Rosie the Riveter, the lady in Kristen Stewart. Oh yeah, in, oh, she's New great. New Moon. 
she is so terrible in those terrible movies. But I just saw a movie with her recently called like, oh, I totally forget what it's called. But it's newer and it's like a supernatural thriller. And she's a uh, personal, oh, it's called Personal Shopper, I think. And she sees ghosts and she does ghost things. And she's such a good actress. But uh, she gets a bad rap for playing these terrible characters in these werewolf movies. But she's so good. Amelia, the movie from 2009 with Hilary Swank did not have good reviews. There was another <laughs> one in 1994 with Diane Keaton. Also, not good reviews. Did you know Michael Keaton that Keaton's not his last name, but he picked Keaton because he liked Diane Keaton so much. Good call. Yeah, I know. Uh, he, who doesn't like Diane Batman. Keaton? Well, you know? he was Batman. Then he was Birdman. What's he up to these days? Now he's in Spider-Man. He is in Spider-Man. He was is man in the title? I'll take the role. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, this is good. This is good. This is the content that people have been clamoring for. Doubt it. So this is <laughs> Learn to Like Each Other. We do a podcast where we talk about researcher articles or theories or concepts mm-hmm. or things. Science about relationships. Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. We are Science. that funny show about murder, but <laughs> relationships instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's new with you this week, Delbert? Oh, man, this week. So I work at a college, and this week has been move-in week. And so I have been so busy. I don't even remember. There was one part, one time this week, where I was told, Del, you need to go into town and pick up some boxes. And so I pulled into the store, um, this printing store, with my little CRV. And I said, I'm here to pick up some boxes? And the lady looks at me dead in the eye, square dead in the eye. And then she looks out the window. To my car and she looks back at me and she says you mean in that <laughs> I w- and i just kind of just kind of took a step back and i was i said what's wrong with my car i said yeah i don't know what i'm picking up she's like oh well it's gonna take at least five trips in that <laughs> okay judgy box lady um it did turn out it was 56 boxes of textbooks that's a lot of boxes which is a lot and it did take two trips um but uh it was so she I've, was I've right never had anyone speak to me like that in that. in that it was like i was in a movie when you first told me i thought it was because maybe they were union printing or something like that and it was not a union well not an american vehicle a, like i like union people but that's a very specific beef to well, call so someone that's out what on. I, I know. That's what I thought. I thought there's no way that they're policing. Have you yeah. ever had anyone like say something like that to you in a customer service setting? Like, in no, that? I haven't. <laughs> I remember there was. I have, a, I have a story for you though. The local grocery store in my small hometown. So my hometown is 400 some people. There were two stores. This one store at one point. People were parking there, but then walking across the street. So this store put up a sign that said, you park in this space, we break your face. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's that's the customer service that people know and love and want. That's that third place that, that, uh, that Starbucks talks about all the time. Did they ever break anyone's face? Probably. Maybe not for that. 
I don't know how they ever stayed open. They had to be not legit in any way to have stayed open that long. Questionable things. Drugs. They sold drugs out of the bag. Probably. That's the only explanation for small town stores like that. But Stephanie, what about your week? I had a very busy, busy week. What about you? I help volunteer a lot. (sighs) Everything I'm volunteering for started last week. I... I'm going to be, we knew that though, so I'm going to be. a little Miss Social Butterfly? Not really. It's just that everything, sometimes. Reluctant Social stuff Butterfly. Just, sometimes stuff just overlaps. So thank, I'm thankful to you for being supportive. Oh, you're And welcome. I think in the next two weeks, things will slow down. Uh, I have nothing. So you're good. Our friends are getting married. We're going to a wedding in two weeks. Oh yeah! Here's the thing: when you're we're going in, to Scott and Aaron's wedding, Scott we have Aaron. hats. They've been here on the show, and I do a podcast with uh, Aaron called Lobotomy 101. And the great part about relationships is that sometimes they—I uh, was going to say sometimes they end in marriage. No, sometimes they continue on in a marriage format. And I haven't been to a wedding in so long. I feel like when you're in your 20s, early mid 20s, you're just Banging out weddings left and right. Yeah. Can't keep them off you. Beat them off with both hands. Um, (laughs) And then you hit your 30s and everyone is either married or you have your single friends who are like, I'm not ever getting married. (laughs) So you're good to go. And then mid early 30s, the marriage bug starts creeping in on people again. So I feel like we're I feel like we're on that verge of coming into some weddings here. Speaking of bugs, I need to take a pause and I need you to look at something. There is a mark on the wall. Is that a bug? Oh, no. That's not a bug. That is a pencil mark where I expertly oh. measured the incorrect hole. I was staring at it, and it's so <laughs> far away, and I swore it was moving, but I think it's just the shadow shifting with the sun. <sighs> I'm not good at handiwork, and so I'm a measure four times cut twice individual, <laughs> and that is an instance of I am 1,000% okay with that. I was just losing my mind. It's a mark where I was going to drill a hole. But that would be a fun-shaped bug. I was ready to take that bamboo sword in the corner and whack it. I thought that would make good. You're so brave. That would make good audio, I feel. (laughs) So, Stephanie, besides talking about weddings and marriage, why are we here? What's the deal? Well, so, in true mimicking murder podcast style i was talking to my therapist when and i was talking about you oh in a good way nothing bad i could tell my ears were burning and are you posting memes and during our podcast yes i didn't want to forget <laughs> okay. are you checking them i was i heard my phone go Bling! And, i got uh, a text i got a text the love island ringtone um so i was like stephanie okay and she brought up attachment styles Mm -hmm. and so i thought why not merge all of my lives together it's like oh attachment styles i don't really know a lot about that i think we've talked about attachment theory because we talked about types of parenting at, at some point yeah when you said attachment styles i my immediately went to attachment parenting helicopter parenting hoverboard parenting Chrysler car parenting, all the kinds of parentings. But yes. apparently this goes into adults as well. Yeah. Relationships. Yes. Okay. And so I'm going to, I don't know, should we cover the critique of it 
Should we start with a critique or end with a critique? End with a critique? I think if it... Normally, we we pride ourselves on being a very science-based, fact-based, reality-based show. So maybe less of a critique and more of like a disclaimer and bring about the critique at the end. Fair enough. So attachment styles are rooted in attachment theory. And attachment theory got its roots post-World War II from psychoanalyst John Bowlby. Bowlby. B-O-W-L-B-Y. I hate that. Let me like bulb, bulb. I know, I know you hate that word. Not my my favorite. Some people hate it on moist. I hate bulb. I know. Can't handle it. So he first proposed attachment theory in 1958. And the work that he did that based this theory, in which he based the theory, was that he found in his work with animals that when animals did not have their mothers around, they were more distressed. Okay. Uh, Particularly in the first or second year of life, if you didn't have that maternal bond, Mm -hmm. it was distressing. I get that. You're a little baby chicken, and you just came out of an egg, and then you're like, what's going on? Where's my mom? Where's my mommy? Mm -hmm. And in his work, um, he theorized that if you don't have a connection with a parent, it severely impacts your ability to bond. Right. And this, this I remember this from the attachment parenting episodes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so in this theory or framework, attachment theory and the style in which you attach to people impacts a lot in your life. Okay, that, I mean, that makes sense. And so attachment theory... And types of attachment is the idea that different people, based on their childhood, attach differently. Okay. So how you attach your mom as a child will... Or parents. Parent will inform how you attach to your relationships in the future. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the theory says that it impacts your partner selection, (laughs) how you do in life relationships, how your relationships progress... How you react to your needs and how you go about getting your needs met. So that's a lot of stuff. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, it's basically saying you're. Once your baby years are done, you're kind of set for life. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. In theory. In, in the, it's just a theory. <laughs> okay. well, I mean, I guess everything's a theory in some if way. If you think about it. Whoa. Okay. Tell me more about this theory. Um, So where does the rubber meet our theoretical road here? So in attachment theory, originally it was thought that there were, when it was first developed, there were three different types of attachment. Secure attachment. Okay. Anxious attachment and avoidant attachment. Interesting. And when I looked through different articles, there were different percentages associated with these. But for secure, supposedly anywhere between 55 and 65% of adults have this type of attachment. Okay. Pretty secure. Yeah. Okay. And then I saw percentages for anxious and avoidant range anywhere between 15 and 25% each. Not as popular. Not as common, not not as frequently occurring, but I saw ranges for these, so these were less frequent than secure. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I know. All right. Good news, maybe, depending on what I say next. 
A lot of secure people, a lot of secure attachment up there. Good job, everybody. We did it. Uh, frankly, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, is it? Is this? Is are people suspect of this and they need a disclaimer because pe- so many people have it together in reality they don't. That's what I was wondering. Okay. But um, so your attachment style is supposedly established in early childhood. Yeah. And when there is an avoidant attachment or anxious pattern, uh, a baby is likely to choose a partner who does not have an attachment style that fits their needs. Okay. So you're going to be programmed to pick someone who doesn't do what you need. If you have one of those two attachment styles in theory. Okay. But conversely, if you're of the 60% that have a secure attachment pattern, you're more likely to be a confident person that interacts well with others. So you're probably more likely to partner with someone who has another secure attachment style. Okay. And together, you will both be secure and have secure babies and live mm-hmm. on happily and ever everything after. will be perfect. That yes. sounds really good. You'll never have that another problem really, again. That sounds really good. I, I feel like we have that. Uh, we never fight about anything, and we're very secure. Not once. Not once. Never, ever. Nope. Ever. Not even this morning. <laughs> uh, so for secure attachment, so this is rooted in the idea that as a child, you see your parents as a secure base from which you can explore the world. Right. Which I get that, and I feel like I see that in Carly, how she sees us as secure, and so she makes her a little bit more adventurous because she knows that we're just going to be there. And I feel like when we went to the doctor with her or in one of her daycare assessment forms, somewhere they asked that question, mm-hmm. is one of you secure and she explores the world from you? Somewhere yeah. I feel like this came up. The home base, if you will. Yeah. Okay. And so secure... Lee attached people tend to be warm and loving, mm-hmm. and they're more likely to be able to open up to their partners and less likely to play mind games. Oh, yeah, my favorite kind of games. <laughs> mind, mind games. games. <laughs> Does anybody win? Everybody wins? Does it matter? Nobody wins. <laughs> and then in adulthood, you would see your partner the same way that you saw your parent to which you were securely attached. I see all of that, and I feel like that's cool, but something about it feels weird. I don't know what it is, though. Okay. But so far, I'm like, okay. I get it. I get it. It's like, okay. Okay. It's like Italian food at Olive Garden. You're like, Okay, it's not totally there, but it's okay. I'm getting, I'm picking it up with your land. I'm here with family. When I'm here, I'm family, but it's okay. And so secure adults tend to support their partner when they're distressed. Okay. So vice versa. So your partner's a secure base. You Mm. explore from there. And when your partner's distressed, you know, you help them out. Got it. Perfect. Everything makes sense. And a quote from one of the articles is, these relationships tend to be honest, open, and equal with both people feeling independent yet loving towards each other. So if both people come from secure parents, you're going to be great. So parents, this is all on you. Yeah. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Okay. And then there's three more because they 
split them off into secure attachment. And then there's anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. Interesting. So anxious, preoccupied attachment. Mm -hmm. So people with this type of attachment are desperate to form a fantasy bond. Fantasy Bond. It sounds like something you'd get in a video game. Or I thought of James Bond. Fantasy Bond. Shaken, not stirred. Oh, it's his imaginary friend. Fantasy Bond. Mm, or a Bond girl named Fantasy. Oh, Fantasy or, Bond. Or something, something for intimate time. Mm. So a Fantasy Bond is a fake connection that provides a sense of safety that ain't real. Yep. Okay. Like my relationship with food. And how much I love it, but it does not love me back. Maybe like ice cream. Ice cream. Yes. Ice cream, I will chase you to the ends of the earth. I know it will never be reciprocated, but I love you. Yeah, so it must be surfacey level stuff that doesn't really go deep. Okay. I love you if. If. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And so, this is my favorite quote. They often feel an emotional hunger towards their partner. Ooh. It's the... I have the time. I don't know. Hunger, I just imagine. Hungry like a wolf. And they think that their partner can somehow complete them, a la Jerry Maguire. You complete me. Yes. Jerry Maguire. He had anxious attachment. Anxious preoccupied attachment. Okay. He's looking through my notes. You can hear my notes. So folks that are anxious preoccupied often act insecure and in relationships they can make They often, I think I forgot a verb here. (laughs) Anyway, they tend to be more insecure. And so because they're insecure, they have a lot of different fears. Mm -hmm. And so that means they're often acting out of their own fears, which is just the cycle of making things continually worse. Got it. So for example, they can be really demanding or really possessive or really clingy when they get fearful. So then they tend to get more possessive, clingy, and fearful and it just keeps happening. And they can't get what they want and so they keep getting more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds wonderful. And so they can be very hypersensitive to to small changes in their partner. Mm -hmm. So if their partner comes home from work and they've had a bad day, they might be thinking, oh, no, they're going to leave me. Something terrible has happened. Great. Thanks, parents. So as a result, they require a lot of reassurance. Yeah. Okay. Everything's okay. You know, and we kind of say it. I say it a little. I read it like, oh, oh, oh. But then I. it also is if it, if attachment theory is true and someone is acting this way because they haven't felt bonded, I feel a twinge of sadness yeah, about that's that. Yeah, sad. You got to find that bond somewhere. Unfortunately, other people can't always do that for you. Hmm. Self. Stop Stop doing that, self. <laughs> uh, so then there is dismissive avoidant attachment. Dismissive yeah. avoidant. Dismissive avoidant. So in relationships where one person is dismissive avoidant, or just in general, these folks often parent themselves. Ah. And, and because you can never really parent yourself, these folks may give in to creature comforts in order to feel good. Okay. Like ice cream. Ice cream. Hmm. Is that scientifically proven? <laughs> it says ice cream right here. Interesting. 
because now I feel Superman ice cream. Superman ice cream. Blue Moon ice cream. <gasps> That's what it says. Very Midwestern specific ice creams. Yeah. Interesting. So it's weird how I fall into all these ones. <laughs> uh, and so the thing about dismissive avoidant is often these folks are what the article says is pseudo avoidant. So they come across like they don't need anyone or anything. Like, I don't need nobody. I don't need you in my life. In reality, they really, really need relationships. <gasps> oh, I'm just like, <gasps> a twist. A twist. A twist. And so these folks tend to lead very inward lives and they shut down emotionally and can be very defensive if confronted with a lot of emotions. And so if they tend to encounter an emotional situation, like a fight, a death, Mm. someone crying a lot, they can just shut off their feelings totally and completely. Okay. So in situations where people might have an outpour of emotion, they just have a switch that goes, and I can't do it. Like a fight or flight, an internal flight, basically. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. And so... This type of attachment style feels really uncomfortable with too much closeness. Mm. And so the avoidant part comes in because they'll avoid closeness or having an emotional attachment by doing things like criticizing their partner, working on emails, responding to texts, going on their phone, playing a game, calling someone, doing dishes. Being avoidant. Yes. With busy extra things. Yes. Got it. So... The sad part is, or the part that breaks your heart, is that they act like they don't need anyone, but in reality, they really need someone. Because there's not enough dishes in the world to fill that lover-shaped hole in my heart. Not enough ice cream in the world, baby. (laughs) I said dishes or texting. Have you tried the gray stuff? It's delicious. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. Dishes. It's beautiful. Delicious and dishes don't really rhyme. I'm singing it in my head. (laughs) Uh, So we've talked about the fantasy bond. What is the gray stuff? Has anyone ever sussed that out? We could have eaten at a restaurant at Disney that had gray stuff on the menu i think it was but then i don't think we could get in Hmm. maybe it was that cinderella thing it must have been are you looking it up i'm gonna google it you keep talking are you just gonna go on your phone and avoid feeling i'm doing work honey (laughs) for Uh, our show (laughs) so last but certainly not least is fearful avoidant attachment And folks that have this attachment style live in an avoidant state. And similar to dismissive avoidant, they're afraid of being too distant, but also too close. And so they try to keep their feelings in check a lot of the times, but they really, really can't because they're often really overwhelmed by other people's reactions. Hmm, interesting. So they see that they need other people. They recognize that relationships are important, but they have a very deep fear that if they get too close, someone will hurt them. Okay. And so as a result of being afraid of being too distant or being too close and not really knowing 
which to be in. They often live their lives without any strategy that's organized to try to build relationships. It's a it's kind of like a chaotic up and down and up and down and up and down. Wow. I feel like we've all seen this in a friend that's around for a season. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is descriptive of that friend that you get close with and bond with and then whatever reason they ditch out. Real quick, real fast. Gray stuff, go. Gray stuff. Okay. The gray stuff. Apparently it's not it wasn't a thing. They just made it up for the song. Well duh. Um, but they have that restaurant, the Be Our Guest Experience at the Beauty yeah. of the Beast Castle. It says the Grace stuff, um, which is actually a cookie and cream panna cotta that's been whipped into a creamy dessert, tops a chocolate cupcake in the Beast Castle these days. The same price and size lunch cupcake is uh, $3.19. You can get it at the Disney Dining Plan and Snack Credit. So the Grace <laughs> stuff is like a panna cotta icing thing on top of a... Cookie brownie. Look at it. Let's see. Let's see a picture of it. Oh, that is gray stuff. It looks delicious. It does. And then there's, you can't see it, but in the picture Dal showed me, it's like a brownie. This thing is on top. And then on the plate, in chocolate, they did a little Mickey Mouse outline. Mickey, like the They've three changed circles. it up because it's been a straight up cupcake. They've kind of changed it into like a bar shape. It's gone through some changes. That. I'd get down on some gray stuff. I'd make that happen. Good. All right. Okay, okay we can continue. <laughs> um, now I want gray stuff. Uh, so their secure attachment, which, you know, like a higher percentage of people have, and then the other attachment styles, which fewer people have, but mm-hmm. can lead to issues or complex whatever <laughs> it's hard because like if you don't start out with that in theory secure, if you don't start out with it you're kind of screwed that's in theory that sucks um but one of the things the article goes on to say is oh. that the style that you relate to as a child does not have to define you oh, okay good i was worried there for a minute i know the way they go on it's like oh my what am oh, i gonna wow. do i guess i'm just I, when i was like here. i was like a crappy four-year-old and now i'm old and this is just where i'm at so it doesn't have to define you if you can recognize the attachment style that you have you can flip that around and learn techniques and mechanisms to improve okay okay therapy that's what therapy's for (laughs) yeah actually i mean it'll help or in england uk an analyst oh is that what it's called yeah oh i didn't know that analyst that's interesting yeah I like that. Uh, so, Stephanie, you said that there was some controversy behind this um, and that there were some things that you wanted to talk about with this theory. So, let's start with the criticisms and then I'll take away what I'm going to take away from this attachment styles. Okay. Uh, so, this theory started dying out in the 80s, mm-hmm. partially because they, the original research was kind of debunked. Oh, that'll do it. Unless it's about vaccinations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because like, you know, watching some animals do stuff doesn't always relate to what happens in humans. I don't know. I pick bugs out of your hair and we're very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Every night, baby. So in practice, they found that when some babies cry and don't get cuddles, 
It does hurt them. They don't bond. They have issues later. Right. And to be fair, like, you do need to cuddle and touch babies. Oh, touch that baby. You got a baby? Cuddle them up. However, there's some babies that don't get cuddled as much, and they end up just fine. So mm-hmm. universally, there isn't a rule that if sometimes you do cry it out, your child will grow up to be this dismissive person with no bond at all. Yeah. Okay. So there, that proof hasn't been something that is... Panned out. Panned out. Okay. I mean, there is other research that's like if you never touch a child till age seven or something, like that would be well, horrific. I, I'm not talking about that right. extreme. Oh, yeah, yeah. And reading it on paper, it's like if you don't cuddle your kid, they will turn out to be a murderer. If it's you that, do cry it out twice, they'll kill everyone. It's like, okay, I can, when I emotionally, when I see that, I'm like, oh, yeah, but you neglect a baby. It's like, well, we're, we're not talking about straight neglect. We're talking about just different parenting styles. But then conversely, people who have had attachment in the first year, so you might have done attachment parenting, co-slept, breastfed for two years, cuddled all the time, definitely attached. The kid could still have having anxiety, depression, all of these other things as an adulthood. You could become a murderer no matter what. Nothing, <laughs> nothing can stop you. We're really taking the <laughs> extreme to this. So not a murderer. But I'm just saying, everyone, like, it's not a universal. There's a better chance of you ending up fairly, you know, okay in life, regardless. You're pro- More likely than the research says. In all actuality, a lot of people can bear a lot of different types of parenting and end up okay. Okay. We are resilient people, humans. Yeah, we're all pretty resilient. Most people end up okay. Okay. But... The reason that this theory is still really popular Mm -hmm. is because people really love the idea, and I can't really disagree, that a mother's love could fix most things. Mm -hmm. And that if mom can just bond and attach, like kids will end up so much better. Well, just call your mom. You're in a fight with your spouse? The best thing to do, call your mom, take her side, not your spouse's. It's the best. It always works out. Well, and I do see the side of... (laughs) It doesn't. Don't do that. Like having an adult figure who is there for you, loves you, and supportive of you is beneficial. That is good. I cannot deny that that is a positive thing. Eventually in life, you do need to transition away from like your parents being your parent parents like they were when you were a child. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you do... I do feel like there is something special about that parental connection. But then there's like a different sort of special connection that you have later in life with your partner or significant other. Like, I know. I I agree with you. I think that's the twingy part you're talking about. I don't want you to be my mom. Yeah. I have a mom and she's great. And, but I want you to be my best friend and my wife, my wife. Because I think the gap that I'm seeing is, I understand the notion of bonds you have earlier carry into adulthood. Right. But I think like the bond you have with your spouse is a different thing and so it's not a one-to-one comparison Mm -hmm. okay and i think that's where i get caught up in Mm. it so you're caught up in it got debunkified in certain areas so what are your takeaways you'd mentioned that they're even in the rottenest of pineapples there's one little sliver in there that you can just get down on right even in the most so the bottom of the pineapple what i'd take away is even after my daughter sticks her dirty hand in my drink, there's still some ice cubes that are probably okay. Yeah, there's an ice cube or two. <laughs> Rinse it off in the dirty water, call it good to go. Uh-huh. I think my thought is 
understanding that different people relate to their partners and other people differently and how we had relationship when how we had relationships when we we're younger impacts that but it's important to self reflect on how you're doing and if you can make improvements do that yeah. and i i like the four cuz they give you an idea and a framework to work around yeah like your past does impact you yeah but you still have the ability as a grown up person to make positive changes i agree cool I'm going to write that down in my notes, okay? Shuffle papers, mix, 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 gray stuff, panna cotta. Young young panna cotta, young... What are you going to take away, Delbert? Uh, Well, I learned something new. I didn't know about this attachment style. Um, Or this relationship theory, which I thought was very interesting. And I think it's a similar thing, too, of like, you can't deny... On a large scale, even on a small scale, the things that impact you as a child will have this, uh, have long-lasting psychological positives and negatives, like some like your work ethic, your your hobbies, like things that you're interested in, how how you do your manners at the table, if you can do the laundry in college. Like there's all these things, but really, it is your job to become an adult. To like, it's not your parents' job to be your parent when you're grown up. Like, it's not their job. It's not their job to be blamed by you for your whatever as you get older. Like, you're supposed to. You're an adult now. And when you learn that your parents are just you but older, (laughs) it kind of puts it in perspective. Like, yes, your parents are great. When you're a kid, they're supposed to be like the thing. But as you get older, you're like, oh, Oh, wait, they're just people. So wait, I have all of these problems in my life and, you know, like stuff that I'm struggling with, like. They probably had that too. And then you go through like this existential crisis and then you're like, they are just people. And then you get grace and then you move on and you become your own self. Like, I feel like it's part of realizing who you I are. I hope that, yeah, that like on the pathhood to becoming an adult, I hope that is what most people can Give get Give your to. folks a break. Yeah, I mean. Some of times, I mean, there are some parents that aren't great. Yeah, let's be honest. Let's There's be a few honest. out there. It's like, eh, I've watched however. too much TV to know that that's the case yes (laughs) to not know that that's not the case um but at the same time if you have the opportunity you know like let your parents just be people and you you gotta grow up yeah yeah so that's what i took away that's beautiful that was way deeper than i was thinking good job you know i'm on this streak of taking very very deep uh thoughts out of non-deep things i think it might be starting to get annoying but no, I like it. It's <laughs> oh, good. Okay, good. Good job. Good good article. I like that we came across with something that had a little bit of controversy. Yeah. And something that was a little bit like, here's the thing. Oh, it's not real. But like, I like that. Usually we try to stay pretty close to like, this is a new cool thing that's like good research. And this is something that is coming back and influencing. But uh, it, I like that we were able to take a, you know, a... A fairly even keeled look at attachment relationships. We could probably do an entire podcast on just the original core of attachment theory, but that would be the best. Yeah. Right up the charts. Right up there. Right it up. Right up there in the nerd podcast section of iTunes. Yeah, there's a lot of theories out there. They come and go for good and bad. Something to learn from. A way to view the world. So speaking of iTunes, um our show. 
Learn to Like Each Other is on Apple Podcasts, and it's on all of the podcast platforms, and it would be super awesome if you could leave us a review, a rave review, five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, oh, Anchor FM is our new home. We are in all the places. You can also see us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash learn to like each other. Uh, but yeah, we love being here. We love you. And we're happy to, you know, bring forth another great piece of audio gold for your ear holes. <laughs> Stephanie, before we go, is there anything else? We hope that after listening to this podcast, you learn that you can like each other very, very, very much. much.